right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time to say. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and the NFL trade deadline has come to pass. The Kansas City Chiefs have dealt Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and all sorts of other players, but you'll have to wait till 4 o'clock to find out about what they got in return. Oh, boy, yeah. It's a dark day for the Chiefs. Uh, no, but the Chiefs did not do anything. Uh, mostly the NFL trade deadline is pretty boring. This year it actually it's was. crazy. Yeah, but the Chiefs did not do anything, though. Which no, unfortunately the Chiefs. Might actually be an okay thing. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, going to join us at 340. Kevin Flaherty coming up at 440. We've also got some Andy Kotelnicki audio and some KU football player audio to get to you throughout the show as well. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. You know what else you can also do on DraftKings? What's that? Maction starts up tonight. Maction, baby. We got Ball State, Kent State, and Buffalo, Ohio. Do we just blind bet Buffalo in honor of Lance Leipold? I say yes, 100%. Um, <laughs> I'm all in on that. I will say, though, uh, so we're, on, we're so starting on Friday, I think, was the start of the 28 straight days of football mm-hmm. when you have Maxion. So you got to get in now, man. Maxion. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You can also get on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. It is officially November here. We've turned the corner on Halloween. And how about a possible NIL deal coming Jason Bean's way. The Serious Bean Company, which this must be like a startup because they have like eight followers on Twitter. Although it says they joined in April of 2016. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I looked at that and I was a bit confused also. Not my place to judge. Um, but are they, are they based in Kansas City or? I have no idea. But they have a bunch of like different style of beans that you can get out of the can. They have. Yeah, I guess I don't need to do like free advertising for them. But nonetheless, <laughs> they are doing a uh, NIL deal with Jason Bean, and that is perfect. We finally get an NIL deal that we have all around Lawrence been clamoring for Jason Bean to be sponsored Bean. by something doing with beans. With the beans. Yep. All right, so here's my question, Derek. Mm-hmm. What would your uh, NIL deal be with your oh. name? Or what would, uh, I guess, what would you be your ideal 
NIL deal? Hmm. That's a great question. Derek Johnson. Yeah, I mean, what? there's nothing with my name specifically that I can do. Um, let's see. Yeah. I don't know. Just give Hot me Hot dogs? A... <laughs> what? <laughs> I Oh, I see what you're doing there. Uh, that's inappropriate, Nick. Oh, um, sorry. No. <laughs> I... Uh... I don't know. Just give me, you know, uh, I, I'll be honest. Like, I'm a, uh, I don't know if I can say that word on. I am a uh, a man of of give me free stuff and I will support your product in any way possible. So, I'll just put it like that. Um, okay. So, you I, don't you don't. Care I don't have a specific the, thing. No. You don't care what the NIL deal is. No. You'll, su- you'll support anything. I don't. As long as you are willing to invest in me, <laughs> I'll invest in you. Like, it's that simple. Let's have a relationship here. Wow. Uh, would you have one? Could you have like a sprinkler um, system? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, or like uh, yeah, some kind of like lawn care thing for spring. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's uh you know springtime. Mm-hmm. Need to get your lawn care something. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a lawn? <laughs> do I have a lawn? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, then that doesn't do I you much a- good. I can't afford a lawn. Well, doesn't do you much good then. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so. I think that in honor of that, if Jason Bean starts this Saturday and KU beats Oklahoma State, or basically just in general, if if Jason Bean starts the KU game wins. that gets Kansas to the bowl game, the, that gets them their sixth victory, okay. I think we should try I, – I don't want to commit to trying every one of these bean flavors because I don't know how expensive they are. But at least try like a couple of the different flavor flavors on air in honor of that. Or we See, do something. I don't really like beans. Well, you're gonna have to suck it up. If Jason <laughs> Bean leads KU to a bowl game, that's true. That's true. If KU goes to a bowl game, I just got to do it. Or maybe that if they go to the Cheez It Bowl, then we have to eat beans with Cheez Its crushed in it. Oh, for a week. Oh, that does not sound good. <laughs> okay, I'd rather just do the Cheez It Challenge, where I'd uh, rather I'd rather just try to eat only Cheez Its for 24 hours. Okay. Or how many boxes of cheeses could you eat in 24 hours? That doesn't sound fun. Well, that's why it's a challenge. Well, who are you challenging? It's, it's well, uh, I mean, either you and I could chal- go compete against <laughs> each other or, like, we could have other people compete. And the loser has to. Or we could have, you know, the loser has some to way eat 10 cans of beans Challenging in a the day. listeners. Like, the listeners oh. ha- will see which listener can eat the most amount of cheeses in 24 <laughs> hours. But they'd have to somehow verify that. Yeah, they as you say, they can just lie about it. No, they'd, they'd have to actually verify it. How? Somehow. Uh, so we, we would have to hire an independent. Uh, for each listener who wants to do it. <laughs> this an, is getting an, way too convoluted. An, an independent. No. Uh, what's the term? We're just like eating beans. Uh, or an official. Yeah, to yeah. Follow that person around for 24 hours. No, we're just going to eat beans and cheese. It's going to be that simple. Uh, by the way, Bill Connolly of ESPN Plus gave KU a 76% chance at making a bowl game at this point in time. Not high Basically enough. Basically winning one more game. You don't not, think that's high enough? Not high enough. It's 100%. Come on. <laughs> well, each game, it's it's funny because this is how the odds work out. Each game, he's giving a 20 to 40% chance of KU winning. Okay. They're, so, listen, they don't math. have a single game where, basically, this is what it means. They don't have a single game where it's like, they're supposed to win this game. It's just you total it all up. You're close enough each time through that it says okay. basically one time you should come through. I, thank you. I need. I needed you to explain that to me like I was five. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Still early in the show for math, but that means. But they, no, they yeah they have, absolutely they have a chance, a pretty good chance. 
By the way, Hawkman just tweeted, said, I'm in on the bean cheese it deal. So, oh, we have Wait, one. He wants to eat beans and cheese it together? I don't think it would be that bad. It's like really? Sh- it's like chili when you dump it. I like beans, though, but it's just I'm chili and it's guy. like you put, you know, crushed up crackers in there. Yeah, but it's not crackers, it's cheese it's. Which is just a cheese cracker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Maybe. That. Sounds higher than I would have expected. 76%. That basically three out of every four times Kansas would be in this position here. Well, again, because all I have to do is win one game. I know, but none of the games are games that I think they're... You roll the dice enough know, times. That they're going to be favored You're going to come right? up with what you want. Well, they're almost favored against Oklahoma State. That's true. The line on this game continues to move. And, and I don't know how much that speaks to... Maybe Vegas knowing something about the quarterback position. Lack of faith in Gunner, I guess. It could. I mean, we we heard from the coaches today. Um, also, does Oklahoma preparing. State not have another backup that's not Gundy's son? I'm sure just, they or is, do. Or is he good? I don't know if he's is he the, good. Is he good enough to where he is the backup? He has not played super well. Um, but it sounds like KU is preparing for Spencer Sanders to be the guy. Now, I don't know because Mike Gundy said... I forget if that was earlier today or yesterday. He said uh, he's not going to practice this week, Spencer Sanders, but that he's hopeful he'll be back for the game. Okay. Do you take that as a smoke screen? Do you take that as just trying to get KU to prepare for something else, or do you take it as he actually might be back on Saturday? I don't. I don't know. What's his injury again? Is a shoulder injury. Shoulder to so his throwing shoulder, so just like Jalen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Probably not a separated shoulder. Right. It might be, it might not. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, this it's, it's a tough one. And it's interesting because this is, what, the third consecutive game in which KU is facing an opponent that is not 100% sure who their quarterback is going to be. Right? Yeah. Oklahoma, Baylor, mm-hmm. now Oklahoma State. Yeah. So that's kind of a funny thing, I guess. But. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if Sanders plays, it definitely changes Oklahoma State. Because when you actually look at the stats, Oklahoma State, they're not that good, stat-wise. No. Defensively. Uh, or offensively when Sanders doesn't play. Well, it's funny. Yeah, like they're in the bottom three in the conference in rushing yards per game, rushing yards allowed per game, passing yards allowed per game. The one thing they've done really well is pass the ball well, and Spencer Sanders has been electric. So if you take away the best thing for a team that has struggled in other areas— it becomes different. Now, I will say, for a lot of those stats, a lot of the middle teams are packed so close together that you have one bad game like they did against Kansas State, and you're going to drop from being like a, a top maybe four team to all of a sudden eighth or something like that. So it's it's maybe not fully indicative of of where they are in, in some of these regards, but you're right. They uh, basically put a lot on spencer sanders to be good this season last season they had the great defense a lot of those guys are gone graduated went off to the nfl yes but he has been good yeah he has yeah he has and they have really relied on him to do just that um so if he doesn't go in this game it has a huge impact and yes the vegas line continually moving to ku's way at two points now is what ku's getting i think is probably indicative that like I guess, what do you think Vegas views that as? Do you think they're saying we think Jalen Daniels is coming back, and Spencer Sanders isn't going to play, or do you think they're more so leaning one of those two? I think they're saying that Sanders is probably not going to play, because I think we've talked about this a little bit. Like 
think about it from the national perspective. Like Jason Bean has numbers wise has been pretty good, right? So I don't know that Jalen coming back would actually move a line from like the Vegas perspective that heavily in favor of KU. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like even if we think it might, or even if we think it should, or like we think that Jalen Daniels kind of is that X factor for KU. It's not like Jason Bean's been playing poorly, or it's not like he's and it's not like his numbers have not been good. So I don't I don't know that Jalen coming back is going to sway a line for the first game that he's back that significantly. Right? Is that yeah. fair? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I I think it'd probably be worth a couple points. Um But how many points is Spencer Sanders worth versus Gunnar Gundy? That's the thing. It's it's a bigger drop off. He's and gotta I, be I, worth like at least five or six. And points, I think that's right? the point here. Like if you're looking at the bigger impact. There is a jump that Kansas would take from Jason Bean to Jalen Daniels. But the gap, whatever it is, between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels, that gap is a lot smaller than the gap between Spencer Sanders to Gunnar Gundy. Yeah, exactly. So, from that standpoint... Also, why would you name your kid Gunnar if you're Mike? (laughs) Like, Gunnar Gundy? Like, dude, come on. He clearly was going for that. I don't understand how people don't think through those kinds of things. Oh, I think he did think it through. I think he, he wanted that. He wanted Gunner He wanted the, the gun gun. That's his, <laughs> what? that's his nickname. Also, though, you can't be like a bad athlete if your name is Gunner. I disagree. You can the definitely ol- be a bad athlete. Have you met a Gunner who isn't like a athlete? Well, okay. No, but th- okay. Yeah. That's not what you said. You said you can't be a bad athlete. I've seen plenty of bad Gunners. Again, like who? Name I, one. I don't know. I could think probably think of one of them. I'm just saying, every gunner I have ever heard of is either like a college athlete or a professional athlete. Like who? You now you name one. Gunner Gundy, Gunner Hoagland, pitcher drafted into the uh, MLB, uh Gunner Henderson, who's the like okay, I know who Gunner top Henderson whatever is. prospect for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh Gunner, whatever the the Duke quarterback last year, Holmberg or something like that. It was Gunner. Okay. Well, he played for Duke. He's a college athlete. He's a starting quarterback at the collegiate level. I think that classifies being a good athlete. Yeah, for Duke. No, for... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, But, yeah, I, I do think that the bigger impact... Okay, so you're, are you telling me that you would name your kid Gunner because you think that, that would mean that they would automatically have success and be, be a good athlete? Uh, Yes, it would, but no, I'm still not going to name my kid that. Why not? You just said it. You just said that you've never met a gunner that's not a. I know athlete. I haven't. So why wouldn't you then just go ahead and take that t- take that chance? Because I'm not breeding children just to be college athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they are a college athlete, great. But no, yeah, that's, that's fine. I guess. Um, but see, this is what I mean when I say you got to think these things through when it comes to naming your kids. Like I could name my kid John. Be the same idea, Gunner Gundy, John Johnson. Not if it's spelled differently. And what? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know why I keep going further into this. <laughs> um, Spencer Sanders, if he doesn't play, I almost feel like this would be a disappointment if KU didn't win. Like, I, I'm kind of to a point where if Spencer Sanders plays, I kind of expect Oklahoma State to win the game. But if Spencer Sanders does not play, I expect Kansas to win. Yeah, I mean... I think that's reasonable. KU's at home, coming off a bye. They should be well rested, um, and it's and it's not like they, it's not like they were blown out by Baylor, right? They came back in the second half. It was a bad first half, but they came back in the second half. So yeah, I mean, I think regardless, it's going to be a pretty close game, a pretty competitive game. 
like I've said all along, I don't think KU is going to be getting blown out by any of these teams that they have on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if it's Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, I just think they're going to be continue to be competitive like they have been, right? So from that standpoint, I think, yeah, like you said, if Spencer Sanders is not playing, and if that's one of the things that Oklahoma State has done well when they've struggled in other areas, KU has to capitalize on that, right? They have to. And again, I've ta- I haven't brought this up for a couple of weeks, but just to circle back, like every game that KU does not get that six win to become eligible, the pressure just increases, right? So yeah. The sooner the better, <laughs> obviously. So if if they have that opportunity and and it breaks, you know, luck breaks their way or whatever with the injuries, and they they should capitalize. Yes. Yeah, and I think to that point on the pressure, if you lose this game too. If Gunner, Gunner beats Gundy, you, that's that's bad. The pressure is going to feel real because Gunner couldn't even hold his hand straight against Kansas. Yes, State. and basically this is what Vegas is telling you: if indeed the line is dropping to minus two because they're expecting Gunner Gundy to play, I can't imagine the line for any of the three games after that for Kansas is going to be better than that. Basically, that would be Vegas telling you if Gunner Gundy starts. This is Kansas' most winnable game remaining. Yeah, I mean, you got the Tech game, but that's on the road. I think Kansas so will be probably, bigger than a two-point underdog. I would agree with that, unless they just blow the doors off Oklahoma State. Yeah. In which case, they might be favored. Maybe. That's an interesting question. KU blows out Oklahoma State, who beat Texas Tech, but it's in Lubbock. And if I don't know who Texas they Tech ba- plays. Oklahoma State barely beat TCU. Texas Tech, though. Barely beat them. Mm-hmm. And Texas Tech threw five interceptions against Baylor. Yeah. Five. Uh, the Chiefs just made a trade. Or it just came through. Wait, really? Yeah. They're sellers. <laughs> Would you like to are know you, who they you, traded? Okay. I'll tell you. Pulling on my leg. You've been pulling my leg all afternoon. Are you pulling my leg here? I am not. The oh. Chiefs traded a cornerback. Really? Rashad Fenton. He's been traded to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Not sure what for. We'll get to that later in the show. Hmm. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we've got some KU football player audio to get to. Matt Tate joins us in less than 20 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend, depend. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got High School Sports Weekly tonight. It's going to be going live at Burgers by Bakes from 6 to 7 while Hawk Talk airs here on KLWN 6 to 7, and then we'll air it on KLWN from 7 to 8. We're joined now by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And Matt, I have a uh, fun crossover question for you as we head into our first week of KU basketball and KU football uh, going over each other with the basketball game Thursday, the football game Saturday. More points for KU this week. The centers combined against Pittsburgh State or KU football as a team against Oklahoma State? Oh, wow. Uh, immediately I started thinking how many points Mike Nowitzki was going to score, and I was really thrown off. So um, <laughs> I'm glad you finished the, uh, the question. I am going to take Kansas football against Oklahoma State. Um, let's see what I'm going to guess there. We'll go a little farther with that. Uh, I don't know that KU centers 
are going to do a whole lot of scoring in that game, even though they should. They, you know, they'll obviously have a size advantage, but um, doesn't mean it always it always produces points. So we're going to say KU football scores thirty, and I think that's more than enough to cover that. Okay, uh, definitive there. So the center position for KU is certainly one that on the basketball court is. Uh, I don't know, up in the air might be uh, one way of, of terming it right now this season. What do you think is your prediction right now for how that works out? I guess, what, what do you have more confidence in right now? This could be a fun one. Who you think is going to start at quarterback for KU or who's going to start at center for Kansas? Oh, my. Yeah, that's, that's really tough. Um, I, I like. I'll get back to the first part of the question. You know, here in a second, I, I think I probably have more confidence, and I could be dead wrong. Like, uh, you know, I don't. Nobody's telling us much, and and so this is more just a read on on my part. If uh, if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But but I, I think I'm more confident that Jason Bean's going to start at quarterback than I would be in picking a uh, a a center. If I had to pick a center to start at the five for KU against Pitt State, I, I think it's probably Zach Clements, right? I mean, it just – Ernest and, and Zuby are, are freshmen, and as much as they both figure to have important roles and probably will play and of, of the whole group, I think I like Ernest the most um, long-term, looking into January, February, March. I, I think he's got the best chance, in my opinion, to emerge as the guy. Um, he's still a freshman, and, and generally speaking, that doesn't that doesn't always show up early. And, and Self typically likes to give his his veteran guys a little bit more of a nod. So he may start KJ at the five, for that matter. I mean, KJ uh, is certainly the most productive of that bunch to date. He's certainly the most reliable of that bunch today, and because you're not looking at Pitt State coming in here with a big, burly, bruising center themselves, KJ, you know, with his frame, should be more than enough to uh, to be the biggest player on the court, probably. So um, I think that, that that would probably be my guess would be KJ or Zach. And, and you know, it just the, the answer to it depends on how much he really wants to start KJ at the five or play KJ at the five. If he, if he thinks he's going to have to do that a lot, then I think there's no doubt it'll be KJ on Thursday night. If he's trying to stay away from that or doesn't want to do that, then, then it's probably Zach. But as you can tell, a lot of indecisiveness in that, in that reasoning there. And so I think that's why I feel like Jason Bean starting at quarterback is the thing I feel most confident in right now. Well, I, I'm sure you've seen some of the Vegas line moving down and, and KU only getting two points here against Oklahoma State. So if you think Jason Bean's going to be the starter, I mean, I, I know you're not in on the Oklahoma State side of things, but that would probably be pretty telling that, that it wouldn't be Spencer Sanders. Uh, I'll just ask you this because it's, it's something that I kind of toiled with in the open. If Spencer Sanders is not starting for Oklahoma State, and it is the backup quarterback with Gunnar Gundy, is this KU football's most winnable game remaining? I don't think there's any question. Um, I, first of all, I think, you know, on paper going into the bye week, those four games looked really hard, all four of them. And, um, you know, Texas is a good football team. They're, they're going to be ready to play here. K-State's looking like a really good football team with a really good defense, and that's in Manhattan. So those two are really tough. 
affect the tech better than I think people give them credit for, um, at least uh, from the public perception. I mean, all you got to do is look at, at um, that scene after the game against Baylor last week when they were pretty competitive. And you had a hundred different guys from the Baylor side coming up to Joey McGuire and giving him a hug. Now he used to work at Baylor. So that's part of it. He's a, he's a Texas high school coaching legend. And you know, that's part of it too, but still there's a lot of respect there. And, and that Texas tech team shows up every week and, and, you know, absolutely fight. So the fact that that one's in Lubbock, um, that's tough. That's going to be a really tough game. And I don't know that KU's progressed to the point where you can just say, well, they're going on the road and they're going to win. You know, like they've still got work to do before anybody thinks that's a given. So I, I think uh, I, I think this is the one they got to get. I really do. And, and without Sanders in there, it, it certainly increases the odds. Um, assuming he doesn't play, who knows? KU's preparing for him to play. But um, if he's not able to play, it's a very different Oklahoma State offense and a very different team. Uh, much like taking Jalen out of the offense is, has, has had that sort of same impact on, uh, on KU's offense. So I, I think, and team as, as, as a whole, really. So um, I think this is a massive week, um, not only because it's a winnable game and because it's at home and because some things have maybe broken their way a little bit, but also because if you don't win this one, then you just – the pressure mounts, right? And then you're all of a sudden looking at four losses in a row. And that gets things a little tighter, and you get a little more frustrated. And, and, and you start to worry, are we going to get to six? Are we going to get to six? And, you know, these guys can sit there all day and tell us all the right things, and they do. They, they, they say, you know, it's the same approach for us. It's the same focus for us. If we had won one game or all nine games, we're still going to focus on one snap at a time, executing, doing our jobs, all those things. And it's great. That's what you want guys to think. That's what you want guys to say. That's, that's how you want them to approach things. But they're human, too. And uh, there's no doubt that it, the, the longer this thing goes with them unable to get to six, the, the tighter it becomes and the more pressure there is. So I, I think this one is absolutely massive. We're talking with Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here. Back to the basketball end of things. When you're playing an exhibition game and you're playing a team that is going to be overmatched with Pitt State, you can't have like overwhelming takeaways from a game like that. But when you have uh, just some small piece of the puzzle of, of a team that we haven't seen yet and do have questions about who's going to play where and, and then is this guy going to start, how is this going to look, uh, what sticks out to you, or what are you going to be most keen on for for looking out for in the game on Thursday night? Yeah, I, I think I think I want to see how comfortable guys are. Um, you know, I think Grady Dick's obviously a big part of that. Um, we've seen him in a couple of scrimmages. We saw him at late night. He, you know, he he hasn't been in that very limited um, sample size. He he hasn't been or shown what, what he's got. And uh, I, I think people are excited about his potential. Uh, I think that includes people in the program and, and just fans in general. Um, and, and I think, you know, he, he needs to have a, a game where he shows people, yeah, this is, this is why they talk about me the way they talk about me. This is, this is me. I can go out there any given night and make six or seven threes and go nuts. And, you know, he, he can, he's capable of doing that. So, um, you're not going to get there if you're not comfortable and, and you've got to be comfortable to play, uh, good basketball and to execute and to play for Bill Self and all those things. So I, I think it's not just Grady, but he's probably the, the, the top of the, 
top of the list there when you talk about how, how comfortable do, do these guys look. But, you know, it's also an exhibition game. It's also the first time playing in the field house for a handful of these guys. It's, it's, it's a different vibe. It's a different thing. And you're not going to roast them if they don't look good or they don't look comfortable. It takes time. And, uh, but I think way more than X's and O's or, or how they match their lineup or personnel or who plays with who or anything like that, I think just that general general vibe of who's comfortable and who looks like they're ready for the start of the season, which is right around the corner after this. I mean, that's exhibition, sure, and it counts and all that, but um, after that, it happens really quickly, and uh, you get going for real, and then before you blink, you're you're playing Duke in Indianapolis, and, and uh, you know, it doesn't get much bigger than that. So um, I, I think the earlier these guys can show whether they're comfortable or not, the easier it'll be for self to know how he has to handle his rotation early, and and then for fans to kind of set their own expectations about, well, this guy looks like he can do this, or eh, this guy may be a little bit away still from, from where he wants to be, and, and so on down the line. So I, I think that the comfort is, is a big part of it, too. Um, and, uh, and and then of course you know that you want them to you want them to look good, right? This is the defending champs with a couple starters back and a, a couple of big pieces they've added. I mean, they, they should look good. This is a team they should absolutely pummel, and it, it shouldn't be ugly. It shouldn't be sloppy. It should be it should be a, a, a Kansas team that that looks like the defending champs. Well, I uh, was. Thinking about that Duke game with it being the the third game of the season, obviously in in past seasons we've seen the the Champions Classic be the season opener for KU. Is that like a a big boost for this Kansas team specifically? The fact that it isn't the first game and they do have a lot of those questions about what roles certain players are, or who's going to be a starter. I think so. I mean, that's a big spot to throw guys into, um, and and so if you can if you can give them a little bit of time to to get comfortable and to feel how how the college game goes and understand how to play with their teammates and all that stuff, I, I think that can help a lot. Um, you know, from a from someone who covers college basketball and just the fan perspective, I think it sucks. I think there's nothing cooler than watching, you know, the season open with that kind of showcase and that massive stage and all that. But um but geez, you know, like that's a tough thing. I mean, think about it. Um, you know, you got some freshmen, and and you got a lot of teams, not just Kansas's freshmen, but think about what Kentucky's done recently. Think about what Duke's done recently. Um, there's a bunch of teams. Even the Zags have had some some freshmen who, you know, your first game is 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 out there on a stage like that. Like that's that's tough, and uh, it it can really be difficult. Um, or you can you know, go crazy and have a big time night and and do something like Ochai did against Michigan State last year. And granted he wasn't a freshman, but that, that one game, his performance and the way he he uh showed himself in that game in, in Madison Square Garden was um that set the tone for his whole season. And everybody knew it that night it was it was on. And so um I love it being the first game of the year. But yeah, from a perspective of guys getting comfortable and and having a little bit of time to get their feet under them, I, I think that part of it is great for, for KU and, and, and of course, a bunch of other programs across the country, too. Matt, all of the talk this week has been about what KU football did over their bye. What do they do over their bye? Obviously, KU basketball hasn't started yet. What did you do over KU football's bye week? What, what, was, what was your weekend looking like? <laughs> That's a great question. I appreciate it. I have to uh, – let's see. What did I do on my bye week? Um – well, we had high school football Friday night, of course, and so 
playoffs started, that was pretty big. So it still felt like a football week in a sense. Um, Lawrence High got a got a got a win, and Free State uh, a tough loss, but good seasons by both so far. And, and obviously, Lawrence High has a a really tough game this week uh, against Derby. So that was Friday. Saturday, uh, my wife and I are actually having our second child this month. Now that it's November 1st, we are uh, officially in the this month lingo. And so things are getting a little crazy. Um, so we got a little, we got a little time to, to spend prepping and, you know, finishing up the, the details to make sure we're ready for this, um, which I don't know that anybody ever can be, but you get as ready as you can be and you, you hope you are. And, and so we had a little extra time to do that on Saturday. And then some friends of ours threw a little, uh, a little shower for us to welcome the new male or female Tate into the world. We don't know oh, what it's going to be yet. Yeah, so that's exciting too. So um, busy times. It was. It did not feel much like a bye week. It was nice to to enjoy some some time with friends and family and do that kind of thing, though. Um, how, how, are yeah, your, uh, how are your cradle building skills? It's up, man. It's ready. It's uh, yeah. We're we're ready to go. There's there's no doubt about that. So wait, I have an uh, important now. question. If if this is a boy, <laughs> what would you think about the name Gunner? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um given the fact that ku is playing potentially against the gun well, this week right? we had an argument earlier in the show and and <laughs> you know nick was like why would you name your kid gunner gundy with the the double working there and i said i've never seen of or heard or, or met a a person whose name is gunner who is not like a really good athlete like a college <laughs> or a professional athlete that's fair. Um, one of my best friends from childhood, uh, his his given name is not Gunner, but his last name is Nelson. And if you're familiar with the band Nelson, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Hopefully you aren't. Uh, there were two long-haired, bleach blonde brothers that um, that that were. Uh, I guess a band. I mean, they sang and they played instruments, so that makes you a band, right? And and one of their first names was Gunner, and he was a musician, not an athlete. But my buddy, who was a decent athlete in his own right, that became his nickname because these were this was Gunner Nelson, the musician. And so my buddy, whose last name was Nelson, just started getting called Gunner. And, I mean, to this day, he's still called Gunner. And it's not at all because he's a great athlete. So I don't know if that blows holes in your in your argument or not. But um, I'm just going to act like I didn't I'm hear that. I'm probably not going to go there. We're probably not going to name him Gunner. Um, Gunner Tate doesn't sound terrible, though. I mean, like, I do think there's something. If you guys argued, I didn't hear it. but But I do think there's something to – Certain names increase the odds of you maybe, you know, becoming that, right? Like, like whether it's a, an ace pitcher or a quarterback or, you know, things of, of that nature, right? Like, it, it, it probably isn't – there's probably no scientific proof or anything behind it, but I do think that it, it – just the name, just the sound. There's something to that. And so uh, we haven't fully identified the name yet, and I don't think I will – boy or girl i don't think we'll try to uh identify it but you know just to shape their future just with the name um because you know frankly like my name's obviously matt but um my whole life i've mostly been called tate by almost everybody and so it kind of takes a little pressure off especially if it is a boy because they're probably going to be called tate too you know um my my dad my uncle they tate 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 right like so 
Um, there's a little pressure off of that, even though the name thing is is it's serious, man. It's it's really it's really uh, it's really important. It's really intense, and we've spent a lot of time thinking about all kinds of names, making sure we're not setting our kid up for ridicule or or anything like that. Because that's just you know you could like a name and and then and then there's a nickname associated with it. Next thing you know, you've you've set your kid up for a miserable childhood or or something that rhymes with it that they're just going to get heckled with throughout their life whether they're good or bad or whatever right like so it's it's uh yeah it's among the hardest things that i've ever had to do that's for sure well another discussion derek and i had about naming was naming your kid to set them up for nil deals right so like for instance i guess with jason bean it's his last name bean but like you know you could set up your kid to have a like remember dakotas crawford from nebraska he got a big deal with with an ac company like set your kid up with an nil with an nil deal via, via their name Brilliant. I'm in on that one. Um, haven't gone there yet, but I'm I'm not opposed to that. That's for sure. Um, I know when when I was being named, when I was a non-born citizen and child yet, um, my parents and and a lot of their friends had a lot of fun with my last name because it's a it's a suffix, right? And so you can put a lot of things in front of the name and create a word so like hesitate right like heza if it was a girl hesitate that'd be terrible i'm glad they didn't do this to me some of the suggestions were regurgitate you know like there's there's some really bad ones there and from what i can gather they had a lot of fun doing that and and uh we haven't had too much fun with that yet on this one but um you know a little bit and and more than anything i think we would just again we're trying to we're trying to give it something that that they can they can have a fighting chance. Life's hard enough without your name being stacked against you, you know. So we're we're fighting for it here, and, and we'll see what we come up with. But very exciting times. I mean, obviously for our family, but but you've got football roaring. You got the start of basketball. I mean, you, you know, no one can say that I was uh, trying to take it easy in the month of November or December. That's for sure. It's going to be busy for a lot of reasons. Yep. Well, Matt, good luck on everything with that, and uh, thanks for coming on as always. Of course, man. Thank you. You guys have a great week. All right. That's Matt Tate. Check out all his work. KUSports.com. LJ World. Appreciate Matt coming on as always. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have a KU mailbag. Get your questions in at RCST 1320 or to either me or Nick, and one lucky winner for the best question is going to get picked to get a free pair of tickets to the Kansas-Pittsburgh State game on Thursday night, which, of course, you can hear right here on KLWN. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio has you covered, located right off I-70 in five minutes from downtown Lawrence. It was the NFL trade deadline today. The Chiefs weren't really active in it, and then we uh, heard about a trade about 20 minutes after the deadline that kind of came in late. Dishing away Rashad Fenton for a conditional seventh-round pick. I don't know what the condition is there. That doesn't seem like a lot to give up for a guy, so it makes you wonder, why would you do this trade? Well, clearly they want to open up playing time for more of the rookies. They just announced, I don't know, 15 minutes after that, that Trent McDuffie— has been activated off IR. So you have McDuffie, you have Williams, you have uh, Watson, Watson as well. The and and Lejerius Sneed. He's in Lejerius Sneed. But still, you'd wonder like, 
I don't know. We could still use depth. Like they're they must. You just never know if there's going to really, be another injury. They must just really, really love their rookies. So it's kind of weird. Don't love it. The one thing though, it does clear one point four million dollars of cap space. OBJ, come and on again, down. Like, you look at the the Travis Kelsey uh, move to to clear up some cap space there. You look at this move to. Okay, but in all seriousness, is one point four million. Is that moving the needle on signing OBJ? It could. Um, you're looking at, I think the Chiefs were at like 3.4 million in cap space before this. Now they're at like 4.8. Like, what if OBJ okay. is like, I need a $4 million deal, you know? Okay. I don't know. It might, it might, it might not. Um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit weird. That's the only thing I can add it up to. Who else could they sign besides OBJ? I don't know. Is there anybody out there? Uh, maybe there's somebody else out there. It just... <laughs> Certainly kind of an odd move that makes you wonder, well, why else would you do it? It just makes you think that because of that, there has to be something else that maybe we're not privy to. Yeah, I mean, like I said, either they're trying to sign somebody or they legitimately just really, really love their corners. I guess, really but even then, corners. like I said, it's not like this was a move where it's like, hey, by you need to clear up cap space now in the middle of the season. I wonder if, I mean, this is not something where the Rashad Fenton move by dealing him. Like, uh, there's nothing in the books that says, if you have Rashad Fenton on the roster, you have to start him over the rookies. Just start the rookies over him and have another guy there for depth. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. At the end of the know, day, man. though, the big deal the Chiefs made was not today at the deadline. It was what they made was, last week with yeah, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, looking back now with some of the other deals for, I guess there was just one big one uh, for a receiver, Calvin Ridley got traded too, but he doesn't play this year. Chase Chase Claypool, which that one's similar in a, a few regards. The fact that you have a guy who's on a rookie contract, he's a receiver. He got traded for a second-round pick. Chase Claypool's probably put up better production so far than Kadarius Toney. But I would rather give up a third and a sixth for Kadarius Toney than a second for Chase Claypool. And Toney is younger, cheaper, and on his rookie deal longer than Chase Claypool. I think has a higher ceiling, too. Like, Chase Claypool probably has a higher floor, less injury concerns, but, I don't know, makes me feel a little bit better about the uh, and I mean, from Tony one. my perspective, I'd rather have Tony on my team than Chase Claypool, honestly. Yeah. Because what does Chase Claypool bring that you don't already have with Juju or MVS or whatever, right? Like, mm -hmm. I guess you could say the same thing with Tony about, like, me Cole, but there's still room for, I think, that to be a bigger role. Yeah, so the Bears traded for Chase Claypool, which Getting was a Justin bit of Fields. selling for the Steelers. They also traded away William Jackson, one of their corners. But yeah, the I, I think what that is for the Bears, obviously the Bears aren't buyers. Uh, they traded away Roquan Smith last night to the Ravens. They he, he wanted out. He did. They got a second and fifth for him. So basically they got a, a fifth in Chase Claypool for Roquan Smith. They also traded Robert Quinn earlier before the deadline. Um, so they were not buyers. But I think what we saw is, is something we talked about yesterday with the way that Justin Fields has been playing a lot better over these last couple of weeks. You saw maybe the Bears go, yeah, we like the progress he's made. Let's get him another weapon to actually help him a little bit. Exactly. And Chase Claypool is not great, but he is now probably by far their best receiver. Well, at one point during his rookie season, I mean, he was looking like he could be a mm -hmm. next breakout top tier wide receiver talent. Right, and then he just kind of, he just kind of uh, has sputtered since then. But certainly the talent is there. I mean, he's got a huge body, and he's, you know, uh, 
a big a big receiver, right? And I would agree with you. I think he's I think he's unequivocally the Bears' best receiver, right? Has to be. Helps out Justin Fields, so that was interesting. But also interesting in that you look at what that division did. So the Bears tra- trade for Chase Claypool, get a weapon. The Vikings traded for TJ Hawkinson from the Lions the inside Lions, the division. The Lions might be the dumbest franchise of all time. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? How dumb do you have to be to do that? They didn't get a... I mean, so they, they, get, they gave up picks, too. Yes. So they, they, get, they traded Hawkinson and picks. Yeah, so and they only got picks in return. They moved up a couple rounds. They moved up from like a fourth to a second and a third to a second. Just, just like... Mind-bogglingly dumb. Like, how are you that dumb? And well, I love the Lions. You won't be the, you won't meet a bigger Lions fan than me right now. I mean, I love I love uh, what they're doing there. And, and Hard Knocks had me bought in right with Dan Campbell, right? Like, I'm all in on the Lions. But what are you doing? What the team that I'm a bit surprised with? You see all these teams making these deals. The Packers. So you have the Bears going out and getting Chase Claypool. The Packers, who could desperately use receiver help and are more of which you would consider a contender, did not go out and get anyone. Are the Packers a contender? Maybe they shouldn't be, and I think everything they've shown over the last three or four weeks would tell you they're probably not. It's just still deep down in the back of your mind with the pedigree that they have with having Aaron Rodgers, you still think that they're going to, once it's all said and done, like be a playoff team. Are you sure? No, I'm not. I just it's it's kind of the benefit of the doubt that we kind of give them. Yeah. No, I understand. You're right. They didn't they didn't make any moves. But also, this is who the Packers are. They never make any moves. They don't. You would just wonder if if this was different. Unless it's getting Randall Cobb. If it's getting Randall Cobb, they make the move immediately. <laughs> Randall Cobb. Well, it's, yes. It's like in past years, it's like How many Aaron Rodgers. Randall Cobb been on the team, left and then came back. Like what? 3 times? 2 or 3, yeah. I I just like even in past years when Aaron Rodgers has been like, I, I want a receiver, or when people have said, hey, they need another weapon, get them a receiver, they're still, by the, by the trade deadline, like 6-2 and two or something, where it's like their record is, okay, if we don't make a move, we're still fine. That's what was different about this year, them being 3-4, and 3-5. and five. Yeah, they're, they're, they suck. Mm-hmm. But it's not, but I don't know that adding a receiver. Maybe like, that was Chase, the conversation. Like, does Chase Clay, like if they got Chase Claypool, mm-hmm. is that, does that solve all their problems? No, it definitely doesn't solve all their problems. I just wonder if... I mean, at the end of the day, if, if if you suck, then you suck. That's just how it is. And I get that, but they have kind of made their bed with Aaron Rodgers at this point in terms of you have an older quarterback, you're going for a win-now window, right? I hope people see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and how they're struggling at the end of their careers, and they wake up and decide sometimes it's better to just retire on top or retire, you know... At the end of the good times. Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is making $42 million this year. Next year, he's making 59 and a half. Year after that, 49. Then it goes down to 21 and 15. Who knows if he plays the entirety of that contract? I would just think that because of the fact that you have a shorter window with Aaron Rodgers, you would buck that trend and say, yeah, maybe we're not great this year. Shouldn't we try to do something if we are in a win-now window where there isn't a obvious... Because, like, well, the Chiefs are in a win-now window, but they're also building to the future at every kind of constant time because yeah. Mahomes is still in his 20s. That's not really the case with the Packers. Well, and what's uh, what the what's crazy with the Packers is the division they're in is not that good. Like, the Lions are terrible. The Bears are average to bad. And the Vikings have Kirk Cousins. So, like, what's their ceiling? Right? Like, they, like you should be able to—it shouldn't be that hard to win the NFC North. 
I think it's it's too just the NFC is pretty open. I mean, you look at yes, the Eagles are really good, the Cowboys are, are really good, the 49ers could be good, but they're four and four. Vikings have a good record, but once we get to the playoffs, the Rams stink, the Bucks stink. Well, like once we get to the playoffs, if the Eagles even they go fifteen and two, if you have the the Packers playing in Philadelphia in the divisional round, they have a chance. What's the line there? Yeah. Three points? Yeah, they have four points. They have a good chance. Yeah, so like I would just think they would want to kind of maximize that, but I don't know. That's just like you said. That's that's kind of par for the course. They don't normally make those moves. Roquan Smith to the Ravens. That interests you at all with with what Baltimore could be? Um, yeah. I mean, I think talent wise, or when you look at Baltimore, they should be the third best team in the AFC. Like pretty, especially after seeing the Bengals last yeah, night. Like, yeah, like pretty Yuck. unequivocally, the Ravens should be the third best team in the AFC. But I don't know. They find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. They find ways to not win games, you know. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I do think Roquan is obviously a good player. And I think he was still top five in the league in tackles when he was playing for the Bears when he said he didn't want to play and he was going to sit out. So, he's obviously a very good player. But, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what to think of the Ravens right now. I don't think it really moves the needle for me. He's a good linebacker, but if you're getting into these passing offenses with Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how much it's going to help you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, If you're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, okay, how is this guy going to help us in the playoffs when we're playing those teams? Maybe his value isn't that high when you look at it from that standpoint. I gave up a lot for him, second and a fifth. Yeah. So you would hope that he is. So I, I don't know. I, I still do think, though, looking at that back end of the Ravens schedule, they're probably going to end up the two or three seed here. Uh, they might end up the better seed than the Chiefs, even though I... That would that would really annoy me. Well, just because the Chiefs have a tougher I would schedule. Just be, I would just be really annoyed by that, mm-hmm. just personally. How about the Broncos selling? Traded away Bradley Chubb but, to the Dolphins. But for, also kind of buying. Sort of, yes. They... I mean... I guess they they traded what is, for. Does Chase, does Chase Edmonds do anything for you? Not really. But they also got a first and a fourth. For now Bradley Chubb, which by the way, Bradley Chubb, uh, I I saw this stat: twenty six sacks over his last five seasons. He's gotten hurt a lot. He's gotten hurt a lot, and that's something they gotta gotta figure out. Yeah, I don't know if he's worth quite that much uh, of the haul that they gave him. That'll help the Broncos in the future, especially since they didn't have their first round pick. It's over to Seattle because of the Russell Wilson trade. Um, I mean, the Dolphins are clearly making moves. They're buyers, as if they expect to be the one of the top three teams in the AFC. Yes, full on one hundred percent. And Bradley Chubb gives them an extra pass rusher, which that's the type of move that can help you against some of these these passing teams. It's good for the Chiefs that Bradley Chubb, they, they like they haven't played the Broncos yet, so they get to miss Bradley Chubb all this year when they play him twice. Um, the Dolphins also got Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. And and this is what's interesting, though. They, they've kind of been afforded this luxury. This isn't just them like pulling a Rams where they're just constantly trading like these first-round picks. They got three first-round picks in the deal that, they gave up their first that the 49ers ended up taking Trey Lance. And they used those three first-round picks. One of them, they drafted Jalen Waddell. One of them, they used to get Tyreek Hill along with some other picks from the Chiefs. And the other one, they use here with some other picks or players for Bradley Chubb. So if you were to say you traded Trey Lance for Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb, you did pretty well. That's pretty good. I guess who knows? Maybe 
that's Trey Lance ends up being like amazing. Good. But yeah, that's that's very very good for them. Well, also, I mean, the Dolphins they are really banking on the health of Tua. Also, they are. I mean, if he gets hurt again and or gets another concussion or something like that, that's that's bad. Yes, really bad. But you could say that about every team's quarterback. I mean, there's yeah, no but, team well, that. Yeah, but um, but I mean, like with just sorry the fact that he's already been hurt this season, mm-hmm. right? But now they have everything around them to. I, who do you who do you think has a better shot at making a Super Bowl, Baltimore or Miami? Probably Miami. And uh, listen, from the Chiefs' perspective, I think I would certainly rather play Baltimore than Miami in the playoffs. I think you're right because you look at what Miami could do well, passing the football, keeping up with you, uh, winning shootout games, having pass rushers now. That almost scares you a little bit more than Baltimore being this run-first team. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about Baltimore there is, like, obviously the top quarterbacks win in the playoffs, and I think Lamar is better than Tua at this point. Agreed. So that, I mean, I guess when you look at it from— I mean, we also saw Miami beat Baltimore. Yeah, and they, they beat Kind them, of a weird but game. They they were down 24 in the fourth or whatever, right? And Miami's already beaten Buffalo. People forget. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another name who is available on free agency. Let me know if this does anything for you. Okay. Indomitian Sue. No. No? Doesn't do anything? No. Doesn't move the needle? No. Yeah, I think I'm kind of the same. If you sign him on like a veteran minimum, give him a shot, sure. Pass. How about this? Jaguars traded for Calvin Ridley. Yeah, this is an interesting one because he can't play. No, he, he can't, can't play, play this year. year. This is for future years, obviously. It it It's like a weird conditional pick where... Basically, if he signs a contract extension, it'll be like a second-round pick. If not, then it can be like a third or fourth or fifth. I don't, there's all sorts of stipulations on it. How about this, though? The reason that Calvin Ridley is suspended, obviously he was betting on the NFL. The account that he opened and was betting on is in the state of Florida, and he just got traded to the <laughs> state of Florida. Yeah. Well, apparently the bets he was betting on were on Jacksonville's games. Hmm. Supposedly. So he's a believer in the Jaguars. He loves going there. There we go. Yeah. Well, okay, also, but if he comes back and is, like, kind of good, the Jaguars have Got a, a lot great of deal out of it. Yeah, they, and they have a lot of weapons yeah. on top of that. So, like, if Trevor Lawrence ends up being good, plus Travis Etienne. Who looks really good. Plus Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Plus I'd have Calvin something. Ridley. Plus, I don't know, who are their other weapons? They have other good players, I think. Uh, yeah. Marvin Jones? They do have Marvin Question Jones. Marks. They do have Marvin Solid. Jones. Marvin Jones is a good wide receiver, two or three. Mm-hmm. Naheem Hines traded to Buffalo for Zach Moss going over to the Colts. That's that's. that's I have like nothing to add on that. That's tough for Zach Moss. Uh, this is the last one. This is uh, Albert Breer confirmed the Rams offered multiple first round picks to the Carolina Panthers for Brian Burns. So two things there. One, the Rams I- don't have any first round picks. No, but see, this is my theory. I, you always have picks. You always have the future well, picks. You could trade like your twenty thirty six first round. That's picks, what I'm saying. You I always guess. have picks in the future. Yeah, let me trade. Let me trade my twenty thirty six, twenty thirty seven, right? And then once you get to twenty thirty seven, if you're like, you know, I really want a first round pick, but we already traded it. Just be like, here, I'll trade you my twenty forty eight first round pick to get into this year's first round. Who would do that? I don't know. Who would take that trade? Yeah, well, you, you sweeten it in some way. You say, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you my, uh, you don't go that far, but it'd be like, I'll give you my 2040 first for your 2037 first. Once you're in 2037, you I know? Don't, I don't, and then they're like, oh, okay. 
my first this year is only in the 20s. Like, we'll, we'll bank on you being bad by then. You've traded all your first in the future. But you just keep playing this game. It's like a Ponzi scheme. It never ends. You're constantly, like, eating off the top. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the Rams have been doing for the past, like, five, six years. But it is weird. You would think they'd be, like, because hey, they, they've done this, this every year? year, to your point. Like, where are these first-round picks coming from? Maybe the year where you're sitting at three and four, you take a break and you go, yeah, maybe we don't be all-in buyers this year. Just a thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think. Um, Having a bad year. Also, though, I don't know why the Panthers didn't accept that deal. This is something we talked um, about like last week when, when that was the reported price tag. Brian Burns is a good pass rusher. Yeah. He's never had more than nine sacks in a season. He is a good pass rusher on a young contract, but he's about to have to be paid by the Panthers, so they're going to have to give him a big contract. Two first-round picks? Like, <laughs> nobody gets two first-round picks anymore. Quarterbacks are, like, the only guy. Like, yeah. Tyreek Hill didn't get two first-round picks. Well, it must have been, they must have been two 2038, 2030. Uh, you might be right. Picks. That might be the thing. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. We're going to offer you two first-round picks, but the caveat is, one of them is 2040, and the other one's 2055. <laughs> that would make sense. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty is going to join us in less than 20 minutes from right now. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me, Nick Springer. And we're joined now on a Tuesday by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports Kevin, something we were talking about in the open as KU awaits to see who their quarterback is on Saturday, Oklahoma State, kind of in the same situation. What do you think would have a bigger impact, Jalen Daniels starting or Spencer Sanders not starting? You know, I I think it would probably be Spencer Sanders not starting. And I, I think it's one of those things where, Kansas has gotten relatively good quarterback play from Jason Bean. I, I think it's a situation where you can look at it and say, you know, is Kansas better with Jalen Daniels? I, I think Kansas is. I I think that Jalen gives them more elements. I think his leadership style is also, you know, important to this team. But I think when you look at the drop-off from Spencer Sanders, you know, to – guys who uh, who aren't really used to being in that situation and, and taking away a guy in Spencer Sanders who's played an awful lot of Big 12 football over the years, I, I think that that really changes what Oklahoma State looks like offensively. Where So it's kind of, you know, if you, uh, if you bring back Jalen Daniels, you know, it, it's kind of like adding – adding nitrous or whatever to, to your system, you know, it, it helps you, uh, helps you get that little bit of extra boost. But going from Spencer Sanders is like taking your engine entirely out of the car and putting it on blocks. <laughs> Did you view the, the Kansas state game against Oklahoma state as the Cowboys getting exposed a bit, or do you think that was just kind of a bad game and Kansas should be worried about like an angry bounce back performance? I think it's kind of a combination of all of those things. You know, Oklahoma State has kind of quietly been banged up even beyond Spencer Sanders. You know, you look throughout that lineup, and it seems like there are a lot of key guys that are, even if they aren't out, they're kind of battling little nagging things here and there. But at the same time, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you look at that game, and while you say, hey, we didn't, 
play well, you also look at it and say that was that was kind of scary because Kansas State. I, I think you know Will Howard has played really well this season, and, and kudos to him. I think it shows a lot of value in terms of kind of what Kansas fans have seen with Jalen Daniels this year. Not that anybody necessarily threw Jalen away, but if you looked at how Jalen played as a freshman. When he's out there, you know, the world's moving a little too fast for him. Kansas didn't have the best team around him to maximize him and things like that. If you took that and said, hey, this is who Jalen Daniels is, you know, you don't reap the reward on, on the other side of it. Guys can grow. They can get better. Teams can can give them better supporting cast and, and put more weapons around him. And I think you saw some of that with Will Howard. At the same time, I, I don't think – any of us expected that result. I mean, a historically bad beatdown of a top 10 team. And I think, too, you look at the fact that it was so all-encompassing, right? Like, it's one thing for your offense to not play well. It's another thing for your defense to get shredded. And when it's kind of all of the above, like it was in that game, you know, I'm not even really sure what specifically you take away from it and say, hey, this is this is the issue because that game looked like one big issue for Oklahoma State kind of across the board. And I think if there's a takeaway that maybe makes you a little bit scared if you're an Oklahoma State fan, I, I think it might just be that, hey, you know, with, with guys getting banged up with the, where this roster is and where this team is, you know, maybe this isn't a team that's that's improving and playing its best football when you want to be playing its best football, and and maybe they're in a little bit of a dangerous spot right now. So, how does Kansas match up? Do you think with Oklahoma State uh, as far as the game goes, and and what could be problematic for Kansas? What could work well for them? Yeah, I think Kansas can move the ball on Oklahoma State, and, and that's. That's something that when you saw Oklahoma State last year with how good that defense was and, and how fundamentally sound they were and, and all the things, and obviously Kansas wasn't operating at the same level offensively last year, but that was an area where it was really just a huge mismatch. I do think even if there is a quarterback change, there are some positions along the outside where where maybe Kansas doesn't match up quite as well with the Oklahoma State wide receivers and some of the guys that they have there. But if you have a different quarterback and a a guy who's maybe not going to be able to exploit you the same way that Spencer Sanders can, you know, maybe you have a a situation where Kansas' defense can can get a few more stops, can generate a little more confidence, and and let the offense, you know, kind of, kind of, win the day, if you will, because I think if Kansas, if that's the situation and Kansas gets to, say, 31, 35 points, you're putting yourself into a really strong position to, to win a game and, and in Kansas's case, you know, get uh, get bowl eligible. Talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. The first college football playoffs uh, rankings comes out tonight. Is there anything that, that you're keeping an eye on, or is this just kind of you know fodder and, and talk, or, or is there going to be certain uh, points about where a certain team is that maybe you think could have long-term repercussions? You know, it's, I'm not sure there are a ton of teams that are going to have long-term repercussions, and part of the reason I say that is 
the fact that you have, you know, multiple undefeated SEC teams. You have multiple undefeated uh, Big Ten teams when you look at Ohio State and Michigan. And, and those guys, they all have to play each other. And so even if TCU, who you look at it as being a team that's going to be pushed a little bit further down, you know, TCU is going to get a bump if it wins the Big 12 championship game. If it goes undefeated, the chances of TCU being left out aren't really that great. I think the the one team that, that's maybe interesting to me uh, when you're looking at all of this, uh, but I still don't necessarily see a, a great path forward to them is Oregon, right? Because Oregon is, is sitting out here with one loss it's to Georgia, but it's by 80 billion points. <laughs> and, 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 or, and Oregon is a team that, you know, really has looked really good since then. And, and you know, Bo Nix is having a tremendous season. And if you look at that team and say, hey, maybe, maybe this team wins the Pac-12 and, and comes in at, at 12 and 1, you're still going to have that situation where there's likely to be, you know, potentially a one loss. SEC East team sitting there, whether that's Georgia or Tennessee, you might have two one-loss SEC East teams if one of them makes it to the SEC title game and plays Alabama, where you all of a sudden have three SEC teams with one loss. You're looking at a probable one-loss Big Ten team, whether that's Ohio State or Michigan. And so I think that's the one that kind of interests me is – I don't think TCU gets in with one loss. I, I think the schedule makes it really, really tough. And, and even beyond that, the perception this year that's quite frankly pretty accurate that there just isn't a big gap in the Big 12 between the top teams and and the bottom teams. But I, I think Oregon is one that I'll be interested to see. You know, how much are they penalizing Oregon at this point for, for losing to Georgia because if if they have that game, Georgia winds up going undefeated, you know, gets through Tennessee and Alabama to get there, and Oregon is sitting there at twelve and one with its only loss being to Georgia. It'll be interesting to me to see how much voters are are willing, or the committee, I should say, is willing to sort of give Oregon the the benefit of the doubt if Georgia does wind up being sort of your number one playoff team with a bullet and say, hey, this is a team that shouldn't be judged by that game. It's a team that maybe has a chance to uh, to even win a playoff game this year. I was wondering if, if we see TCU ahead of Clemson and a one-loss Alabama, that has to be a good sign for the Big 12 versus the flip side to that is if they're below Alabama or Clemson right off the bat, you can basically, you know, and any discussion of a one-loss Big 12 champ making it into the playoff, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and I think you could probably go ahead and, and end that now, and you could probably, if we're being honest about it, end the chances of a one-loss Clemson getting in, because I think that there's a perception that the ACC isn't very good this year. And, and even beyond that, it's not like Clemson has been running away and hiding and destroying ACC teams the way that it usually does. And so if Clemson or TCU, which you could say has a very similar resume in terms of a lot of close games played with, with big 12 teams, if one of them takes a loss, I feel like it's almost validation for what people think about them right now, which is really good team, 
probably going to win their conference, not really a national title contender. And I think that's the way people feel about Clemson. I think it's probably the way people feel about TCU as well. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty. Check out all his work, 24-7 sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, KU basketball uh, tips off their season. Regular season game next Monday. They have an exhibition game on Thursday night against Pittsburgh State. I, I asked these questions to you for the football team before the season started, so I'm going to do it for basketball as well. What do you think the ceiling is for this Kansas basketball team, and what would that look like for that to be accomplished? Sure. I, I think, you know, we we put out our, our rankings and we're still kind of counting them down or whatever. Today was was number three, Houston. But we had Kansas at number seven, and I think that's probably a pretty fair place for where I see them at the end of the year. Now, if you're the seventh best team in college basketball, you can win a national title, but you usually need a few breaks to get there, right? Like you need to have a tournament happen, kind of like what happened to last year's Kansas team, where maybe a team that you don't want to match up with gets put across the bracket from you, or maybe a team that's that's in your region that you don't want to play. Maybe they get chopped down before you get that chance or, or they have a bad game or, or injuries happen or whatever else. And and so I do think that there's a version of this Kansas team that has a chance to be really good. The interesting things to me, and, you know, Derek, I know you were at Big 12 Media Day and, and we talked about it there, but Kansas typically gets easy points out of its post position. And even when it hasn't, you know, it's typically had a center that has given them a smart presence who can play good positional defense, even if he's not a shot blocker. And, you know, somebody that, that can get, that can contribute in different ways. And I think that's the interesting thing for me with this team. People will bring up the shooting and I agree, you know, the shooting will be very interesting to watch. You're asking an awful lot from Grady Dick in order to, you know, for this team to be a quote-unquote good shooting team. I think that argument starts and finishes with Grady Dick has to make a lot of shots and then somebody has to help him out somewhere. But I think the post position is really interesting to me because I think you have guys who are capable of doing different things. Now, is there... Yudoka Azubuki on this team? No. Is there a David McCormick on this team? No. I, I don't think there is. I don't think there's an interior scorer like that who brings that sort of stuff. But the question is, is can Kansas win a lot of games if it can find a Landon Lucas? And I think that's where that position gets sort of fascinating to watch is, yes, Zach Clements can shoot the lights out from the five spot, and he does solve some of those shooting issues when he's in the game. Ernest Uday is, you know, potentially a rim runner, you know, maybe a rim protector. A lot of shot blocking in college basketball is about being in the right spot as much as, you know, being able to jump high or having long reach. You know, Zubi Ejiofor has some good things to him. KJ Adams, we've seen play the five and be able to be switchable. But who can give Kansas, whatever Bill Self needs from that position with this group, whether it's a screen setter, positional defender, smart guy like Landon Lucas, whether it's Uday turning into a shot blocker and being somebody that 
can anchor the paint for what could be a really good defensive team, or whether it's even somebody like Edgier for, you know, being just a really tough guy and, and kind of giving them some minutes, you know, like what we saw from Silvio D'Souza, you know, back uh, back in 2018 when he was a freshman late in, in sort of that process. And so I think the, the ceiling is, hey, this is a team that's probably not going to be a number one seed. They may be really dangerous entering the NCAA tournament. We've seen self teams get better over the course of the season. But the big question is, you know, are they going to run into that sort of buzzsaw team in the round of 32 that they really don't want to see, you know, like the USC game a couple of years ago? Or are they going to wind up in a little bit more manageable situation? And some of those things maybe aren't going to be in their control. So it'll be interesting to watch. Okay, the flip side to this, what is the realistic floor for this team, and what would that look like for that to happen? Yeah, the the realistic floor, Derek, we've seen Bill Self teams at, at Kansas have never finished worse than third in, in the Big 12. The realistic floor is that this is a really good Big 12. And when you look at what could happen if, if things don't go right, if the shooting isn't there. Brady Dick is an average three-point shooter this year. I think average last year was 33.6%. If he is an average three-point shooter in his first year and he doesn't get help, if Kansas is playing musical centers, still trying to find figure things out, the offense is clunky in the half court, they can't score from distance, there's a chance that this could be – Bill Self's first team to finish outside of the top four in the Big 12. I don't think there's enough there. The experience, the toughness, I think it's never a bad thing when your stars are, are guys who do the little things and are tough players like DeWan Harris and like Jalen Wilson, like Kevin McCuller. And so I, I think that it's not like they're going to miss the NCAA tournament, but I do think that in a Big 12, this this stacked. When you look at, you know, Texas just absolutely handling Arkansas in its scrimmage the other day, when you look at how good Baylor is going to be, when you look at the pieces that Texas Tech has and TCU and, and some of the other teams across the conference, you know, this could potentially be one of those years where Kansas finishes third or, or maybe even fourth in the Big 12 if everything, you know, doesn't really pan out. So then if I could guarantee you one player for Kansas was going to hit their individual realistic peak for this season, would you choose one of the centers just to have that? Or would you choose someone like a Jalen Wilson to guarantee you having because i think the peak there would be oh he's an all-american player just for having one of those types of players on your team yeah people forget Derek, that jalen wilson maybe should have been first team all big 12 last year i mean when you look at he averaged what like a 13 and 8 in conference play and shot really well in conference play he i think he led the conference in effective field goal percentage and so when you look at, at that version of jalen wilson that might be my pick, to be honest with you. As crazy as it sounds, because you would want to pick the center position, but what would you rather have the best of? I mean, if you have a guy who's a legitimate star that can carry your team through tough moments and tough games, uh, I just I feel like that is 
that's such a, a valuable piece, and everybody else can get better off of that and off of the attention that that one guy gets. It would be really tempting. I think my number two choice would probably be Grady Dick just because, you know, you're talking about a guy who had as good a high school shooting season last year as we've seen from an analytics standpoint. And that's that's not hyperbole. I mean, he shot absolutely the, the lights out. And so his ceiling would maybe be, you know, 45% from three or something crazy like that that would change some things too. But I do think that if Jalen Wilson is an All-American and is that type of player, I do think that it does take this team's ceiling up a notch or two. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work with 24-7 Sports and check out those ranking countdowns as we get close to the college basketball season. Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Derek. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Two hours down, one to go. Andy Kotal, Nicky Audio, next. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Reminder tonight after the show, Hawk Talk going to air from six to seven o'clock with Brian Haney and Bill Self or whoever from the KU men's basketball team is going to be joining. From seven to eight, we're going to be airing high school sports weekly from Burgers by Biggs. Now, we're going to do the same thing we did last week. So we're going to be doing the show live at Burgers by Biggs on the corner of Wakarus and Bob Billings from 6 to 7 in person. We've got the live speaker set up. You can come by. The Baldwin cross-country teams are going to be there. They have great food, shakes, all sorts of stuff at Burgers by Biggs. So we're going to be recording it from 6 to 7 live in person for the show, airing it on the radio from 7 to 8 after Hawk Talk tonight on KLWN. Okay, so uh, I want to play some Andy Kotelnicki audio here. Both Kotelnicki and Brian Borland spoke with the media earlier today. And before we get into the full Andy Kotelnicki audio and, and the you know football parts of it, uh, once again, because this happened a couple weeks ago, uh, talking about like the best pizza places in Lawrence, right? We, <coughs> we went over yeah, that. Yeah. Andy Kotelnicki also discussed the, I guess, changing of the, the guard from Halloween yeah, the, to Christmas time. The policies around yes. uh, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Okay, so, so if you want to know what Andy Kotelnicki's thoughts are, we got you covered. Okay, so here here is the first part of Andy Kotelnicki discussing this. He he kind of scared the SID because he's like, I have a prepared statement. And the SID was like, wait, what? Yeah, everyone You're not kinda, like announcing everyone, who the quarterback is, right? Like Everyone kind of paused like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then this is what he said. I'd like to start with a prepared statement. You ready, Andy? It's November 1st. In a world where we don't know what, what's okay and not sometimes, I want everyone to understand that. It's okay to play holiday music starting today. Okay? That's what we'll be listening to here on out. On the practice field. Well, no, that's probably not going to happen. But if you hear a little jingle bells, a little Mariah Carey, it's coming from my office. Christmas lights will be up soon, too. It's also where there's original season. You go big with the lights? Heck yeah. yeah. Griswold. When does the tree go up? That's a great question, and there's a, there's a plan. So we need to get the lights moving now. Yep. Okay, so that on Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving Day, that evening, at dusk, the lights turn on. The Christmas tree is up the day after Thanksgiving. It's too awesome of a season, right? Time of year to not enjoy it thoroughly. You know? How deep do you go then? Like January 12th or something? Well, it's got to go past the New Year minimally. Okay, yeah. Then it's really up to my wife when it comes down. <laughs> 
She decides. She hates the fact that we're probably even talking about this. <laughs> Hopefully it's on the air. Okay, so you heard him there, and he was talking about all the Christmas stuff. I, I like that he said at the end, hopefully this can get on air. I don't. By the way, I, I didn't take notice of this. Was he referring to our show? I, I don't. Yeah, Does I was, his wife listened to our show. Yeah, I was confused by that. If too, so, I was hello, like, Miss Kotelnicki. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. Or Miss, we're the I'm one. Sorry. We're the ones that we're the ones that put it on the air, right? So I don't know. So maybe maybe, maybe he's what, referring to what like if social he media. What if? Both he and his wife listen. Then we love it. We love it. Yes. You know? Thank you, Andy. Loyal listeners. Uh, so hello, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but we got it on air for you. So, okay, this is, a, this is a very, like, interesting debate. And this is one, actually, that I feel yes. very, um, I don't know, related to. Because Andy Konalicki, the way he said it, is his wife's not as much on board with that. At least that's kind of how I took it. That is my household. I am very much, I'm honestly one of those people who like, you might just catch me in the middle of June, like whistling a song and it might be like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And you're like, what, why are you whistling that? And I was just like, I don't know, it was stuck in my head. Um, So I, I am very proponent of like, let's go. My wife, on the other hand, is, she loves the holiday season and the Christmas lights and all that stuff. But she is very much, you got to wait till Thanksgiving ends. Yeah. Put everything up. Yeah, are you the same way? There's definitely people that are like, we got to protect the sanctity yes. of Thanksgiving. To which I, I, I sort of get your point but like there's no decorations to be put up for Thanksgiving. Well, and my argument would be like once you get past Halloween or really you can include Halloween it's, in it. It's just it's just holiday season. Exactly. It's just the holiday season. And that's right? why I don't mind too like a lot of people will get mad like oh they still have their Christmas lights <laughs> up it's January 3rd. It's like okay we can you know yeah. stretch it out. Now, now if they have the holiday lights up in like April like okay maybe that's not great maybe we should you know worry about well, taking them down. who wants to go take down Christmas lights when it's really cold? Yeah exactly. Right? Like, it's just fine. Leave, just leave them up. Ja- you know if, if you want to leave them up into January like whatever do yeah. your thing like that's still the holiday season yeah, in, in my eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah that, that's definitely a big debate for people like when can you start listening to Christmas music and when can you put the lights up and stuff and again, it's not like there's the Halloween road. Like, I'm not gonna like dress my house as a turkey, you know? Like it's just <laughs> like you said, it's all it's all the holiday season. Okay, so. I didn't ask Andy about this, but the other question in regards to the Christmas tree that he was talking about was, uh, when you leave the Christmas tree up, if mm-hmm. you leave it up, it, if depend. First of all, if you have a real Christmas tree or not. Or yeah, I don't think he fake, was asked about that. He, he didn't clarify mm-hmm. whether he was real or fake on the Christmas trees, which that in and of itself is a bit of an argument. Yes, but also if you get a real Christmas tree. And you leave it up long enough, it, it becomes a fire hat. <laughs> so I was be like, Andy, like your wife probably wants you to take down the Christmas tree so you don't burn the house down. Uh, yeah, for all we know, Andy, I don't think his wife is a firefighter, and, <laughs> and that's a big, big problem that uh, is had there. So I don't know. I just I love every time Andy Kotelnicki comes. Out. Obviously, he's got like a very good football mind to begin with, but like yeah. he's just very entertaining. And I appreciate that. It's it's very like I don't know. Humanizing might be the right word in terms of just being able to like actually just. Because sometimes yeah. you get these football coaches who come in, and understandably so, and you know they're just trying to do their job, and they're just trying yeah. to do their football thing. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you, the, the personal relationship side of it. Well, you know, when you eat, live, and breathe football, it's sometimes yeah, it's hard exactly. to it's hard to just kind of turn that off, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, here is here's the football stuff that Andy <laughs> Kotelnicki stuff yeah had to say uh, to the media earlier today. I guess briefly is the, the biggest thing you guys are able to accomplish during the bye week. Well. We're able to kind of hopefully move past some of the bumps and bruises that occur over, you know, we're playing, uh, you know, three quarters of the season. Well, technically, 66% of the season, I guess, right? Um, which is good. You know, you're getting some um, younger players reps. Um, you know, they need some more attention, some guys that maybe, you know, are in the red shirt category or people maybe who aren't playing as much on Saturdays um, to go out there and continue to develop. 
you give some of the guys who've taken, you know, a bunch of snaps every game a little downtime. And then, of course, as an offense, as a team, you have a chance to, you know, evaluate what you've done on film. And you can start to look at yourself, scout cut-ups, and say, hey, okay, here's what we're doing well, keep doing this. Here are things that we need to do and insert and, and, and install to continue to evolve. Um, here are things we've got to coach better. Here's things that we can, you know, the techniques that we can go back and focus on. So for us to be able to do that last week and continue that this week as we get into, you know, the specifics of our upcoming opponent, Oklahoma State, um, it's good. It's much needed. You mentioned the young guys there. From the guys that maybe fans haven't seen a lot of, anyone catch your attention during the bye week when everybody get more reps? Um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I hate to single out guys because you feel like you're leaving some out. But I think some of the guys that you see – you know, a little bit on Saturdays have shown they continue to grow, like the Tanakas and the Dugs of the world uh, are doing a good job. The Kevin Terrys, you know, they maybe don't get as many reps or they're in the stat line quite much on Saturdays. You can see you can see their growth and development. Um, you know, Kobe uh, uh, is one of our linemen there. He's doing. He had. A, I thought he had a great week. You know what I mean? It was good to see him get reps and start to. You know, because he joined us so late, start to really understand and solidify what we're doing and, and the terminology and stuff. I mean, when you think about it, it's probably up until, I'm just going to do some quick math in my head. Because of when he joined us, he basically just caught up through the course of the year, the number of reps that you get, you know, in preseason camp. Mm-hmm. You know, so to see him do that, and again, I, again, I hate naming individuals because I feel like I, I leave people out. But that way, I thought Ethan Basco, you know, the freshman quarterback, did an awesome job, you know, throughout um, the bye week. He was really good. Brian mentioned a handful of players who he thought the bye week helped in terms of health. Is there any guys on your side of things that you feel like the bye week really helped out? Well, I'm not to get into specifics with individuals, but every one of them, like any of the guys who are playing a lot of reps, I mean, it's, ton, it's, a, it's a huge deal for them to get just a little break. I mean, it's mentally refreshing for a lot of guys, too, to just take, take a little pause. So um, anyone who's played significant snaps benefited from a little, uh, you know, not having to go for the whole normal week of preparation. What have you seen from Oklahoma State's defensive front so far this season? Well, their front specifically, I mean, their defensive line is outstanding. I mean, they do a really good job. I think they're really deep there. They have, they have a lot of players. They rotate a lot of guys. And as far as disruption goes, they're about as disruptive a group that we're going to face up front. And so, you know, that'll be a challenge for us. We've got to go up there. We've got to play well. Or we have to play well in the box to, to go out and win the game. Um, but certainly, you know, they're developed. They're physical. Um, they know what they're doing. Okay, they're disruptive. They'll, they come off the ball well. Uh, they're powerful. They got great size. It's all those kind of all those tangible things that you can measure that you would look for. And you know, defensive line, they definitely they have that. Coach, this Saturday will be the first. It will be a month since you guys have played at home. Um, just talk to me about the preparation of being able to finally be at home, play in front of your home fans, your home turf, and how excited are you guys for that? Uh, incredibly excited, you know. Um, you know, I think the last couple of games, when we talk about having a home field advantage, it was true for us here, you know, in Lawrence. And so expecting a lot of people to come out again and watch the team. You know, I think, I think you know, the games and the, and the kind of football, the brand that we're playing right now, you know, I think it's exciting. I think, it, you know, it's something that people enjoy watching. And I think our guys feed off of that energy. You know, a couple, I mean, I remember – I know here in passing, talking through the coachings, you know, some opponents weren't prepared for the crowd noise when they came here. That's a, that's a huge deal for us. And so, see that again, another Saturday, two more that we have here. It's outstanding. It's awesome. 
It's a real deal college environment. It's awesome. It's exciting. When you have a bye week, does that you know let you maybe add any plays or, or work on any trick plays or anything to install? Yeah, we yeah we install. You know, and I've I, you know I probably every week I comment that I don't want to be a broken record about the, how offenses have to evolve, and they do based off of personnel, based off of matchups, based off of what's going well or not. And when you can press pause and really thoroughly evaluate what you are doing right on film and see everything all together right from the 50,000 foot view you can sit there and say okay we got to add this we got to tweak this we got to coach this more we got to get more reps of this okay and so there's a natural evolution that happens for sure that we that we're doing that we always try to do every week but having a bye week definitely helps do that more uh Lance, Lance said that Jalen is back practicing and I know you guys aren't going to go too deep into that but does he look like he's like he's moving well and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of things like that. Yep, yep. Not to get into specifics, as you know, but um, he's out there bopping around. Sure. He's doing good. Bopping. Bopping. <laughs> That's a good way to, to describe him, right? I like it. Yeah. Well, it bops around. Luke bopping around. Do I who? Luke. Grim. Yeah. Grim bops around. <laughs> he's got a little bebop in him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're out there bopping around for sure. <laughs> we, we've talked about the importance of first and second down, and you've talked a lot about that setting up successfully. Mm-hmm. Offense. It seemed like kind of first four weeks of the season, a lot of success on first down, and then kind of the last four maybe slid a little bit. I guess, do you agree, and what do you feel like has contributed to not as much success on first and second downs as of late? Well, you know, that's a good question. You know, when you evaluate those things, it's, it's you know, it comes down to your ability to execute whatever, you know, we're, we're trying to call in those situations. And, if you can't execute, it's a combination of the right play not being called or not enough reps of things getting done correctly, you know. And so when you look at, you know, the things when I talk about bad football, right, and, I, and I've expressed it here, you look at, you know, that's cost us games, right? And I think it slaps us in the face more now than ever when you start losing those games that are close. A year ago, and again, not to talk too much about the past, when you lose a game by 30-some points, you know, in our first year here, doesn't sting as much when you say, hey, there's the one play. That was the difference in the game. When you lose a game by one possession, it hurts a little bit more. You know what I mean? That mistake or that error, and everyone sees it, it's magnified. And so to eliminate those errors and those first and second downs to put us in just to keep moving the chain forward, uh, the chains forward, would that's a big deal for sure. I don't have the specific numbers in front of me, but in terms of guys putting the ball on the ground, I think for a while it's been almost two per game. Yeah, too much. Obviously, it's concerning, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that something you can address during the bye week? Obviously, we're going to practice. We did. How do you do that? Yeah, well, you evaluate what are you doing, right? You, um, to, to, to teach it, to get it burned into people's brains. Um, you reassess how much you're doing it, right? Do we need to do more? Do you need to do it less, you know? Um, the drills that you're doing to teach it, you know, the consequences for doing it, all those sort of things that you, know, re- you reevaluate, all that stuff. Um, and you know what I think most importantly you just educate everybody right so listen here's the this this is where how it shows up and unfortunately sometimes it happens where you know we really try to avoid this as teachers is you don't want to ever have I told you so moments but unfortunately as we all know it's like when you're a kid don't touch the stove okay whatever you know what I mean right you need to screw it up first and then it sinks in a little bit deeper and that's that's life right that's definitely college football and uh, 
point that out to get, you know, to people like, oh man, you know what I mean? I, I want to do more of it. And I, what I think, what I credit our guys the most about is any kind of mistake that we're talking about specifically, take care of the football, there's ownership between the players, the coaches. Okay, we got to do the different drill. We got to drill it more. We got to point it out. There's not a lot of, you know, shrugging shoulders and, oh, you know what I mean? It's not a big deal. And, I, I, and I, well, that's what I appreciate most about our players that they recognize the importance of that. Hey, Andy, on the bye week, you guys get a chance to go out and recruit. I wanted to talk about how important that is. And also, do you notice that you're being perceived different winning games? Well, um, get, first to answer first part of your question is get out and, um, you know, see individuals and prospects and kids that maybe have already committed to us and, and, and connect with, you know, their coaches and get a chance to see them play live. It's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to see them. And the second part of your question, yeah, I, th- I think – um, you know, a lot of the coaches that I had a chance to interact with are very complimentary of, of, of how we're going about things and, and our players and the brand of football that we're playing. And, uh, you know, I think especially from coach to coach, they, they appreciate that, you know, because everyone has their struggles, everyone has their ups and downs, and the people who are super successful and hardly lose, they, they appreciate it and they know what it's like to stay there. And the people who are, you know, like us in terms of changing a program and a culture, you know, that are in the thick of it, you know, and they, they, everyone appreciates it. You know, so I think it's it's good to hear it, you know, but it's also, you know, we're so process oriented here. It's like we're going to another week. We keep going to keep going. It's not good enough yet. We haven't scored a point or got a, got a yard against Oklahoma State. So we got to figure out how to do that. OK, that was Andy Kotelnicki speaking with the media earlier today. couple things he, he kind of talked about. I mean, you heard him talking about uh, Jalen Daniels and Luke Grimm bopping around. I don't I wouldn't take that in any way like. I don't think that was him saying, "Oh, they're they're like hitting people and they're ready to go." I think that was just him saying, "Like, yeah, they're they're moving around." Do you, do you bop around, Derek? Uh, I don't think I do bop around. I don't, I don't think, think I, I, I think that takes some sort of like swagger, and I, that okay. I don't think I have. Okay. Do you bop around? Um, I don't know. Like when I when I think of the term bop, I think of like you're kind of like <laughs> I think of like the toy, the bop it. You know what I'm talking? <laughs> like yeah. bop it, spin it. I just it, realized or that I, I made like a physical movement, but we're on the radio, <laughs> we are on the radio. So we could, <laughs> nobody could just see how. What I attempted to do to try to recreate what I think mm. bopping is. Yeah, uh, you also heard him talking. About, I thought this was interesting because we heard Lance Leipold mention names yesterday of like who are some guys that stepped up. And actually, him and Andy Kolnicki both mentioned the same guys with Kobe Baines, the the former transfer from Louisville. So sounds like he's easing along well. And Ethan Vasco, which that's interesting for me on two levels. One, if we want to go super hyper, what's going on with the quarterback? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Does that mean Ethan Vasco has been getting a lot of reps over the bye week and that that would mean he's the backup and Jason Bean's the I, starter? I think it's all a smokescreen. I think, yeah. I, I don't really read too much into it. I just I think it's they got together and they were like, guy. hey, let's say that Ethan Vasco's yeah. been doing really well. <laughs> They'd be like, that would be funny. They listed, they they literally went through the roster and they're like, we're going to list every player did well and they list everyone except Jalen just to like get the trail off. Um but, you know, I, I think that's a good sign, the progression that he has. And and who knows? I mean, ideally, you know, Jalen Daniels is going to be your quarterback for the next two years after this year. And you might not need to see Ethan Vasco for a little bit of time. But we also know Jalen Daniels had these injuries now. And who knows? Jalen Daniels, like, is a very wiry, talented guy that maybe he comes back next year, has a full season of health and a good season, and then he goes pro. And then yeah. you're looking at Ethan Vasco. So uh, yeah. I thought all that stuff was really interesting. And uh, we'll see what the KU offense looks like this week against Oklahoma State with the extra bye week to prepare. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.